You're listening to Shifting Schools, episode 248. All right, welcome back to another Shifting Schools. Trish and I just off of a great call with Drea Weiner from MeSTEM, uh, their uh, organizer there in the state of Michigan, uh, the director or co-director at Michigan STEM Initiative. You can find more about her in the show notes and everything that she's doing there. Trisha, tell us a little bit more about Drea. So yeah, Drea, this conversation, you know, for anybody who is thinking about mindsets in education. This episode is great for that. We'll talk a little bit more about why in just a moment. So today's special guest, Drea Weiner. Drea Weiner is the MeSTEM Network Regional Director from the Northwestern Lower Region. She studied environmental science at Northern Michigan University. As a child, Drea was brought up in a, quote, maker household. Jeff, you and I get into that on the episode She provides educators today support with opportunities for professional development, support, and resources to ensure that students are gaining deep learning that nourishes soft skills like critical thinking and problem solving to ensure students are set up for success following their education and they have different pathways to explore in STEM. So Jeff, what's something that you think listeners should be just you know, ears open, ready to think more about from our conversation today with Drea. I think one of the the big things, and you'll hear this uh, come through in a couple different parts in the interview today, but I think the big thing is just how do we tie to what we're doing with the community? Uh, And I just wrote down in my notes, it was just like community, community, community. Where are we starting to support our community? How are we making those ties, intentional ties, which we'll be talking more about here in a second, uh, with our community? And she actually, one of the things I love is Drea in this talks about like, where do you go to find grants? Who do you reach out to? What, who is it in your community? And I love when she talks about, you know, if you are seeing a help needed sign somewhere, you can approach that business and say, well, what are you looking for in the workers? And then why don't you come down to school and show our kids about, I mean, kids don't always know that these jobs are available. And how do we expose kids to that? And I think there's just some part, I mean, some very loose partnerships to get started with around just keeping your eyes open in your own community uh, and figuring out how are we making this connection between our K-12 educational system and our, our community at large. What about you? What's something else that was something that stood out for you? The fix it mindset. She mm. talks a lot about how, you know, that was something that was really nurtured. And we go into how, you know, it's never too late to nurture that mindset of being willing to tinker. Uh, you know, again, Jeff, you and I talk a lot about like things don't have to be perfect, but how can we develop our confidence in trying? And I think, of course, this episode has an emphasis on STEM, but I think the fix it mindset that has applications regardless of what you teach, right? Students have problems to solve. How is what's happening in your classroom giving them the confidence to really see themselves as problem solvers? Mm, I love that. Um, I think the last one then is just the idea of options. Like what are all of the STEM options? You know, I think a lot of times when we talk about STEM, we all have a mental picture of what a STEM worker looks like. And one of the things I love that Drea opens our minds to today is, you know, STEM in the construction industry, STEM in the trades, 
there are STEM workers everywhere. I talk about, and I'll, Trisha, I'll try to make sure that I get you that link to the article I just read, where we are going to be short 400,000 manufacturers, just manufacturer workers in this country, uh, in the United States here in the next two years. And there's just nobody going into manufacturing jobs and manufacturing jobs today are STEM related careers. And so how are we supporting students who, you know, love to work with their hands, who love to build things, who have that fix-it mindset, who love that fix-it mindset? How are we supporting them in our schools to know that there are great jobs out there for you and you are going to need to use science, technology, engineering, and math in order to, in order to get them? So I think just knowing that there's a, when we talk STEM, we're talking a wide range of options. It's not just the software engineer. Right there were there's so many jobs out there um, that you can do if you've got a great STEM background. And lastly, Tricia, what would you say is our shifted thought for today? So I think our shifted thought from this episode is really a call to action to ask ourselves, okay, whatever network you're a part of, or if you're thinking of your learning organization, your school as a network, how intentional are the connections? Drea will talk about how she's really trying to make sure that her STEM network, that when when folks are communicating, that there's intention behind it, right? There's sort of like a mission, there's a purpose. So I think this episode is a great reminder of the network is not there just so we know each other's names, right? Mm. What is it that we are working towards together collaboratively? Yes. I love that. This is a, a really great one. You know, part of our STEM mini series here. So make sure that you are listening to all of these episodes in our STEM mini series. Uh, just some really great thought provoking conversations we have coming for you. Before we head over to hear more from Drea, a quick word from today's show sponsors. STEM sports is a great way to engage your students in STEM through sports-related activities. You're going to hear more about STEM sports in each of these episodes, and we also will have an interview with STEM sports CEO later on in the miniseries. Mackin and Mackin Maker is our other sponsor for the miniseries. Mackin is your one-stop shop for everything you need to get your makerspace up and running or resupply a makerspace you already have. You'll be hearing more about Mackin Maker in each episode, and we'll have an interview with Mac and Maker lead educator as well. Please check out both our sponsors for this mini series on our offers page at shiftingschools.com offers. A big thank you to both STEM Sports and Mackin for making this mini series possible. If you have used either STEM Sports or Mac and Maker in your classroom, shoot us an audio note and tell us how you use them in your classroom today. You can do that right on the front page of shiftingschools.com. Hey, Shifting Schools podcast community, we have a special offer that's given to us in partnership with the publishers at Rutledge. If you've been enjoying our STEM mini series and you're looking to extend your learning, good news. We are offering a book giveaway with two different texts. These books are the next two volumes of Rutledge's STEM Roadmap series that they co-publish with the National Science Teachers Association. Let me tell you about these books. First up is The Speed of Green. This is great for middle school students. What if you could challenge your eighth graders to design a racing vehicle with minimum environmental impact while exploring the role of renewable and non-renewable energy sources? This volume in the STEM Roadmap Curriculum series sets you up to do just that. 
The second book that's on offer for our free giveaway is creating global bonds. Now, this is for our high school teachers. What if you could challenge your 12th grade students to explore energy consumption and climate change in their own communities and connect that information with other communities around the world? This volume of the STEM Roadmap Curriculum Series is gonna set you up to do just that. Are you interested in one or both of these books and you would like to enter to win a giveaway? Well, here's how our giveaway works. You can send Jeff and I an email, info at shiftingschools.com, and let us know why you're interested in that book or tell us one thing you enjoyed about the podcast mini-series. We are going to take all of those email addresses and enter them into a random draw. Again, you can learn more about Brutalage by heading over to our show notes. All right. And with that, here is Drana Wire and the MeSTEM Network Regional Director of the Northwestern Lower Region of the state of Michigan. It's a great conversation. And with that, on with the show. Hi, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Shifting Schools podcast. I'm really excited about today's conversation because, Jeff, as you know, like I'm a big believer in the power of community, the power of expanding our networks, and the world of education is complex and ever-changing. So for me, it's always been like when we can build those networks, when we can expand our community, um, there, there's great support in that. So I'm super excited to be talking to someone that has a very specific expertise around Around that. Um, and I, I'd actually love, Drea, to start actually by talking about your work as the MeSTEM director with an emphasis on the integration between business and education, because um, I think that's a really important intersection. And it's one that I don't know if we often give the attention it deserves. So I'm curious to hear more about how, um, how your work kind of walks that intersection. Yeah, so um, I'm one of the regional directors of the MySTEM Network, which means Michigan STEM. Um, and yeah, that intersection. So just a little background is that I actually came from the realm of um, STEM nonprofits around community and really nonprofits thrive when they're working with each other. So when this position came up, I was like, well, I'm already doing this. Let's just go over to the formal institutions and actually bring them in. And so when it comes to um, the really interesting intersection is that I actually play a translator a lot of times because um, I think our educational systems, like you, we're setting up kids to be successful for life. We're giving them skills for life and employers need intelligent STEM literate workers and I think there's this misunderstanding between the two that like education is in fact the beginning of the workforce development pipeline. That is, that is true. And also no educator goes in going like, I'm going to build the best engineers as kindergartners. <laughs> uh, no one goes into that with that. Like you want them all to be good human beings and know how to share and communicate. Like, and then on the flip side of that, from the uh, business side of things, they're just like, you're the start of my workforce. And therefore you should like, these kids don't need master's degrees. They need this, this, and this in order to work for me. And because um, many of them, because they run their own companies, they're used to calling the shots. And so 
there's a little bit of um, translation that has to happen. So um, I'll use this as an example. So I was at a construction event in my community um, right as the world was beginning to open up. And um, you don't need a master's degree for construction. You can go get a bachelor's. You can get an associate's. You can get an apprenticeship. There's, like skilled trades means a lot. And I also know if you want to be an electrician, you got to know tr trigonometry. Mm. However, if you're going to be meeting with counselors, with schools to be talking about what type of jobs are available, talking to a counselor about how master's degrees are worthless when you're required to have a master's degree is not setting yourself up for success. <laughs> so I kind of go in and I smooth it over. I'm like, this is the stuff you can't say. I'll actually say that to both parties individually. <laughs> Um, and then also just explain where the other person's coming from and then also start talking to them because I love to bring them both to the table, but you do have to like, like they don't understand FERPA, like, I, but that's a really hard one for some people. They're just like, Oh, I want to show how excited this kid is. They're in seventh grade. They go to this school. Their first and last name is this. And I'm like, do not post that to YouTube. Do, do, do not do that. Um, and if I don't catch them real quick, I gotta, I gotta go track them down. Um, so yeah, so that's the beginning of it. And then, um, one of the nice things about the MyStem network is that, um, I actually have a community-based, um, advisory committee. So yes, I'm the one who decides what work and what gets funded, but I am also of the mindset that like, if this is not meeting the actual needs of our community, it's really not worth our time. Um, and so one of the things that we created was this business framework where, um, some businesses, they're really great with kids. They're good. They can go into the classroom. They can knock it out of the park. They can be really engaging. And some of them, not so much, but <laughs> they're really great in their manufacturing plant, or they're really mm. great out in their fields, or they're really great in the space in which they work. And so I'm kind of the person looking at like, okay, here's the feedback from the teacher. They weren't all that great actually in the classroom, but they were really great at the injection molding like plant that they work at. And so that's kind of also part of it that I'm looking at as how do we have these conversations and who's the best fit. And um, honestly, one of the things we're working on is badging on both sides. So not to give the teachers another thing to aim for, but what they're already doing and how they're following up in the classroom. Like all I have to do is just like, yeah, you went to that training. Awesome. Yeah. You're doing this in your classroom. And I talked to your coach about it. Great. Here you are a STEM star. Um, and then on the flip side of that with the businesses, Oh, there's an entry level way that you can get involved. And that can be, we've got this career profile project where the kids can see this is a face that I'm going to see walking down the street. And that person does this. And I didn't know that they did that in my community. Welders. The world needs welders right now. And if you're yeah, they a do. welder, you can name your own person. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's amazing how quickly they can just be like, yeah, I can, I can handle this. And also like, great. Then, so like that is a, uh, at most a 20 minute commitment. And then we go and create the file and then, and the profile. And then we show you what it looks like. And you say, yes, this actually reflects it or no, it doesn't. And then make edits and then we go back and like is this right and they're just like yeah all the way to mid-level um in michigan we have these michigan career quests that we partner with our michigan works which is our largest workforce development agency 
um, which is great because they're the ones with all the data on like what jobs are most needed in our communities. And so we actually bring hands-on experiences for the kiddos to try. And by kiddos, I mean, they're ninth grade. They're mostly adults, but you know, <laughs> every so often, like, I'm just like, I will treat you like the adult that you are trying to be until you start behaving like the kid. And then we got to have a conversation. But, you know, we've got the U.S. surveyors who come in and they bring their sand tables. And so they they create these topographical maps with the sand that the kids are like, wait, you play in sand all day? It's like, it's not all day, but it's part of it. Like, you can get paid for playing in sand. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's a mid-level, but it's about, like, two to three days of commitment. And then at the higher end of things... Ooh, that's an internship. That's bringing them on board. That's having them like go from plant to plant to plant or like uh, the different sites so that they can see what's going on and actually ask you like, what is it that you actually like about your job? What don't you like about your job? We did have to intervene uh, for one day where like one person wanted to feed the kids lunch of what people normally eat at this manufacturing plant, which is a subtractive manufacturing plant. And the other ones wanted to like go a little bit more bougie and just be like, let's feed the kids like nicer food. And, and like, I had to be like, guys, you can't have this in front of kids. Like, <laughs> no, like that, that's what, that, and like, honestly, if that's the worst thing that happened, great. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of what it looks like. And um, it's, it's very complex. And I will pause because I just threw a lot of information at y'all. Well, one of the things that I love that you're talking about, and this is near and dear to my heart, Trisha knows this, but you know, what you've talked about so far is this, this intersection between kind of STEM and career paths. Uh, you know, specifically a lot of our trades, you know, whether it's a, a electrician, uh, somebody in construction work, manufacturing work, I'll have to see if I can find an article. I literally just read an article like four or five days ago that we are, they are projecting by the end of 2024, we're 400,000 people short just in manufacturing. Yeah. And it's not manufacturing the way that we think of manufacturing, where a guy is standing there with a hammer hitting a rivet all day. The article really went into, you need to know how to run a computer. You need to know how to code because you're telling the computer how to manufacture the car. You're not out there manufacturing the car. You're telling the computer how to manufacture the car, or you're telling the computer how to create this. Yeah. Um, to your point on the other side of things, I was lucky enough to different things. And it gets to our next question here, but my dad was, my dad taught welding for 20 years of his career. And even back in the eighties and nineties, kids could get job right out of college. It's unbelievable that, that one skill set that you mentioned, I was just a, uh, right before the pandemic. So it must've been 2019. I was at another school district who had a welding program. And five of the six students had jobs before they graduated as juniors. They're juniors. They already have jobs making $65 to $85 an hour, and they haven't even graduated high school yet. Yep. These jobs are out there. And but this cross, this cross between STEM and so many other workplaces. I think a lot of times we get caught into this idea of, well, I don't want them to become a software engineer, or that's when we talk STEM, we think software engineer. There's so many more jobs, especially in today's economy, that having that that set of skills opens up doors for you and no matter where you want to go. And that kind of leads to my next question, where in your bio, you talk about growing up in a STEM household. Yeah. I grew up on a farm, so very STEM focused. My dad, of course, biology teacher, welding, did everything. But how did that upbringing shape the way you've approached your current role? 
It's interesting that you brought up the fact that you grew up on a farm because I also grew up out in the country and like was surrounded by farmland. My dad just was one of the few that wasn't farming. <laughs> um, so yeah, for me, like it was, we were a fix it family. Like you yeah. tried to fix it yourself. Like the first house I grew up in, there there were two, and um, one it was really close to Lake Huron. And whenever there would be a storm surge or a lot of rain, like our basement would flood and we'd have to go fix the septic system because the entire basement's now flooding. And so that, yep, no one can take showers because we're, we're cleaning up the, the, the parts of the system that had to be covered in mud because of the situation in our bathtub. And, um, we also, when my parents moved, when I was in middle school, I was out there helping my dad. Like he, he actually, designed the blueprints himself, but he would run them by us to see if we actually <laughs> understood and if the mathematics were all there. And that. then we were out there building it with them. Um, and we were also like, we had a Husky who uh, had a really bad habit of going after the cats. So we had to like design a way that the cats could hide under the porch, but the dog couldn't get in there um, and that we could actually go in and get them if needed. And so how that shaped me is that you wind up looking at things of like, how is this practical? How is this mm. going to actually work? Um, putting together like um, 3D uh, models for me isn't really all that hard because like I've been taught to think that way. And some kids like they only, they can only do 2D. Um, 10 years ago, I was in charge of uh, a 3D printer PLC and like, I was surprised by how many kids didn't know how to do that. And so we would do basic reverse engineering of just a Lego piece, because if it could click on the top and it could click on the bottom, you're good. But so many kids struggled through that. And like, it's, it's also a win, no win scenario in, in the sense of like, you either did it or you didn't, because we all know how Legos work. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really how that works. Even to this day, like I'm still trying to figure out how to fix things around my house myself. It's just when I get around to it is the different part of it. As we all know, as educators, our, our timetables are a little awry. So <laughs> yeah. Um, and like I, I'll say this is that in high school when we did our career tech center tours, like I was never afraid of putting a hammer, at, like the hammer to the nail, but I'm, um, I'm, I'm a little bit wiry, so it might take me a bit more time to get it. And um, I remember, like, the kids were too scared to try it even then. And for me, like, I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. They started making fun of me because, yeah, it's, I don't have a lot of muscle in these arms, but I was still getting it done. And that's honestly what they said. It's like, she's at least trying. And then the whole class came up and started trying as well. And I'm just like, that's all it takes. Like, you don't even yeah. have to have the confidence to do it. You just got to try and the opportunity too. I mean, I really appreciate what you're both talking about with, you know, your, your childhoods having kind of that fix it mindset. And, and Jeff, you know, I have no shade to, to my parents, but I didn't grow up in a household where that was necessarily the mindset. There were some other things that were happening that helped me out. And like Jeff, you know, you and I chat about this all the time yeah. where, uh, my wife very much has that mindset. So this was like a few months ago, the dishwasher randomly stopped working. And so my response was like, Oh no, we're just going to have to buy a new dishwasher. And her response was like, well, actually, let's investigate and see if we can figure out what's wrong. Uh, and, you know, again, it was like with the help of YouTube, figured it out, fixed it. And that gets back to what you were just saying with 
finding practical solutions for very personal issues. I love that that challenge of how can we make this work for the dog and the cats, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's a wonderful starting point with students, right? What are some of those issues just within your community, just within like your classroom or your household where we can maybe try to design something better and you're describing kind of a low stakes, it might not work. That's not the point. The point is let's tinker with it, right? And yeah. I think the more students can rehearse that mindset of let's try, that confidence eventually comes. We'll get back to this great conversation in just a moment. But first, here's a word from today's show sponsors. If you're looking for a new, innovative way of engaging your students or children, look no further than STEM sports. Teachers, administrators, and coaches in every state are using STEM sports supplemental curriculum that combines the fun of sports with STEM learning to prepare them for future careers. From learning how football helmet technology can help protect players from damage to the brain to calculating basketball shooting percentages, the opportunities to learn while being physically active are endless. Sports kits come fully equipped with all of the relevant sports equipment and necessary science supplies, and no training is required for implementation. It's that easy to get your students excited about learning again while thinking about their future. Find out how you can kick off your STEM journey with your school, after-school program, or camp today by trying a free sample of your favorite sport using the link in the show notes below or visiting shiftingschools.com slash offers. That's STEM sports, engaging your students in fun, physically active STEM activities. And if you are looking for a one-stop spot for your makerspace needs, look no further than Mackin Maker. Mackin's Mackin Maker offers a collection of books, kits, and products to supply your makerspace. Mackin Maker's engaging, high-quality products and custom-curated kits are the perfect way to support your current STEM and makerspace initiatives. Whether you are adding to your existing maker education program or creating one that's new, Mac and Maker offers hundreds of top quality products. If you are just starting out and want to create a makerspace for your room or your team, check out the Mac and Maker recommendation list. Their lists include a mix of low-tech, high-tech, and no-tech options, great maker books to get you started, and excited projects to engage your students in both small and large group activities. They have curated lists for both elementary and secondary. It's the perfect resource, whether you're looking for high-tech Lego robotic kits or you're a librarian who wants to start a makerspace in your library. Not sure how to begin? The recommendation lists are a great place to start. With Mac and Maker, there is no need to try and gather resources for your makerspace from different distributors. Everything you need to get started is in one trusted spot. Mac and Maker even offers district-level service to provide an equitable makerspace program for every school in your district. Mackin and Mac and Maker are a leader in makerspace supplies for schools, and we thank them for being a sponsor of Shifting Schools and our STEM makerspace miniseries. Head to macandmaker.com or visit the link in our show notes to start building or resupplying your makerspace today. With access to 3.5 million print and digital fiction and nonfiction titles, Mackin, a trusted source for all your classroom school and library resources. 
Mistem's mission is in part, I'm going to quote it here, and folks, you'll be yeah. able to head over to the show notes to read more, quote, to build on existing STEM networks to create a STEM ecosystem that supports and implements the components outlined in the four pillars. Can you say more about why networks or why a networked approach is that is an important stance, especially when we're talking about STEM? Yeah, so... um so uh, when I get done with my day, I like to watch movies. And one of the movies I used to watch um, had this quote in there that essentially is like, it's not about what you've got. It's about who you know and what they've got. Um, and the reason I say it this way and I, I um, align so much with this is that, you know, our community colleges, our colleges, our, our ISDs, our school districts, like they're all connected. Are they intentionally connecting? Is mm-hmm. it based on the person? Is it based on the structure? And um, one of the things that the MyStem Network is doing is that we're actually mapping those networks. So we're asking, who is it that you're talking to? And then cross-referencing who's talking to whom, who's not talking to another person. It's really interesting because like um, it, it's, it's interesting in the sense of like, why are people not talking to each other? Who is not talking to each other? Who, who, like, sometimes they just don't know each other. And then other times, like, yeah, there, there's something going on behind the scenes there. But, um, it's really interesting and in also being able to then think about like, okay, where do resources need to go? We all know there's not enough like money and resources in education. And so, Really, the goal of my, the MyStem Network is to be supplemental funding to help build the community of the grants. Honestly, when I meet with a business and they're talking about how they don't have anyone to hire, guess who gets to be recruited to solve that problem? Because you don't get to just talk to me and just say, like, this is a problem, go fix it. I'm like, no, you're going to help me be a part of the solution. And that can be your time. That can be resource. That can be anything. But you, you don't get to say that you don't have anyone and then like not do anything to solve that problem. Um, and so when it comes to these networks, though, of just seeing who are you talking to? And that is just really powerful because I think sometimes in the traditional work environment, like you're a cog in a wheel and like if you screw up, you might get fired or there's always that worry if it's not necessarily the most healthy of environments. And really what my research and, and the research of the MyStem Network is showing is that there are some people who are actually, they may not be high up on the hierarchical chart, but they are integral to the work being done. Mm-hmm. And that is just so fascinating to me because a lot of it's based on relationships as well. And, and it's not really about um, like positional power or the hierarchy or any of that. Some of these like broken down silos have happened simply because someone's feelings got hurt and you never did any healing over that process. So for just to look at that from a network side of thing, I think it's fabulous. Well, I, I love what you're saying. I mean, I think we see this in K-12 schools as well. And I would encourage every teacher who's listening to this to just think about where are those breakdowns within your K-12 school and then to that next step out. Like as a fourth grade teacher, you know, fifth grade teacher, 
I didn't know any of the sixth grade teachers. We just sent the kids to middle school. You know, there was a breakdown in that transition. In a lot of places, there's a breakdown between middle school and high school. Those kids go off to high school and the middle school, high school teachers don't collaborate and communicate as much as they probably should. When you get to the high school, you know, area where you're talking about, and we start trying to bring in those businesses, where are those connections to entry level jobs for kids that want to take that path? Where are those connections into your community colleges. There are so many great two-year degrees that kids can get and make a hundred bucks an hour. You don't have to go to the four-year school every single time. You don't need the master's degree, right? There's so many things that you can do and there's so many different pathways. And I think that's the thing to be thinking about. I think one of the things that I love about here in the state of Washington is they now have, we now have, I, the last I looked at it, there were seven different pathways to graduation. And so we have even opened up here that graduation doesn't mean you have to go get all 24 credits and, you know, pass your finals. You can actually get credit and you can graduate high school by doing internships. You can graduate high school and instead of taking the state standardized test, if you get a score on the military's test, that counts. Okay. Like there's all these different ways that we can support kids in saying, if that's not the right track for you, there might be a track over here that can make you just as much money, maybe even faster than going to the four-year university, what we would consider the, the traditional approach. Yeah. And as we look at where our economy is, especially coming out of you know, the pandemic, you're in Michigan. I'm quoting an article where there were 400,000 manufacturing jobs short. That's not counting electricians where everybody's upset because you're paying $250 to an electrician because there's no electricians. Yep. Like there's just... There are jobs out there and they are STEM related jobs. We're not talking about a software engineer sitting here in Seattle working on Amazon that just got laid off. Yeah. We're talking about real jobs with real skills that still need science, technology, engineering, and math. And I'll, and I'll just say like the computer science skills are also very much needed and yes, also 100%. are very much needed. But that's not the best fit for everyone. I've gone through right. a lot of computer science programs. It's not for me. Um, yeah. The, the, the four hours trying to figure out the one problem wrong in order to make the app work and seeing all that wasted time, that is not for me. Others see that as a challenge and I'm just like, where did my day go? Um, versus like for others, like that is like my uh, my best friend, she is um, going through an apprenticeship for a software engineering job right now. And she loves it. She loves the like the problem solving. She loves the fact that she doesn't have to talk to people every day. Yeah. Um, she, like that's that's the part that is just like, how well do you know yourself? And also like, which ones make the most sense? Because um, another good friend of mine is the electrical occupations teacher, in addition to still being an electrician. Um, and like just talking with his students about what's going on and like what they want to do. It's just really phenomenal because some yeah. of them are going on to be um, electrical engineers, even going through the CDC program, some of them are going straight into the workforce and yeah. both of them are absolutely thrilled to have gone through that program and yeah. to, to see that that's valuable. And you have options, you know, yes. I mean, you have options. And I think that's the thing. Like if you are, so, if you have kids who love to work on cars, great. Every car that's made today gets plugged into a computer and tells you what's wrong with it. Like taking its temperature. You know, I mean, there is still these software skills. That is where this STEM career comes in. There's software skills that are needed everywhere. And I think that's just, that's something for us to be thinking about, you know, 
um, as we go through this. And and I know, you know, folks will probably at the end of this episode, learn more about your organization. And I know that we will have educators who will be thinking, okay, well, my community might not have a network like this one, but what if I started something small. So for those people who are thinking, you know what, I would love to make more connections. I'd love to, you know, offer those networked opportunities for students. For somebody who's listening to this and is thinking, okay, I want to create something similar in my community. Where are are maybe just one or two places that you think these are really high value to reach out to, like other other organizations? What's a good starting point for them? Oh, I've got a really good example. So um, um, one of my schools is Boyne Falls. Um, it's a really small school. It's right outside one of the state's largest like ski hill. Believe me, it's not what y'all would call a ski hill. <laughs> given we're surrounded by 21% of the world's fresh water, like it's, it's what we've got here. <laughs> and um, I did these classroom mini grants, which if you don't have someone like me in your community, your um, your chambers, a local business, or uh, the local foundations may be a place where you can apply for a grant, um, or your local credit unions. They do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this teacher applied for a classroom mini grant for, I have two tiers. One is $1,000 of I just want to try, and the other one's $2,000, and they're willing to bring in a partner. Um, and you don't always have to have your partner set up right off the bat. Um, you could just be like, Miss Drea, because we don't give kids my last name, because my last name is Weiner. Uh, that just lends itself to some horribleness <laughs> in, in the classroom. But they're like, Miss Drea, what do we do? And I'm like, it's all right. Like, let me let me hear your lesson plan. And it turns out what she had been doing is that once she needed the 3D printer, and I was like, great, I've got a, I'm, here's a wide variety, what, what fits your needs. Um, and then when it came to the community partner, she was telling me about like how she was guilt tripping her husband, who's a local engineer or a trades worker who uses the CAD software. And she was just guilt tripping him to take a day off work and to come into her classroom. And she's just like, I have no idea who to include for a community partner. I'm like, honey, let's reframe your mindset. That is your community partner. Yeah. The fact that you're guilt tripping him because he's your husband is a totally different thing. <laughs> But like, it was just simply reframing the mindset. You just needed the tools in of itself. And also, um, what age group? Second grade and below really struggle with this lesson. So I'm sorry to, if you are a K2 educator, um, I would recommend partnering with four or five um, grades to like, I've seen like the littles direct the older kids and how to work the the laptop and they always like being bossy. So that works. Um, But like that, that's the best way I've seen it because I've seen some emotional breakdowns that are not always ideal, but really like if you want to get started, like, and you have an idea and you've got an idea for a budget, I would really go look at those community foundations and those partners because for many of them, especially Jeff, the, the manufacturing jobs that you're talking about, $1,000 is nothing to them. $2,000 is nothing to them. Like they get to put their sticker on it. You get to thank them and some kind of social media or press release. And uh, they get to come in. Like I always invite them to come in to spend like an hour at most with the kiddos so that they can see what the kids have done. Not, not that hard. Um, I will say uh, once again, if you, uh, if you are listening, uh, please think about all the things you do that are just normal 
and assume that they're not going to do that. So, um, like, you might have to tell them, please don't cuss with the kids because I'm, I'm a sailor. And during the summertime, like, it just slips out. I'm sorry, y'all. It just happens. But I know, like, if I'm going into a younger grades, then, like, I'm definitely going to be more on my guard, especially since I'm intentionally telling myself that. And, like, you might have to intentionally tell your partners something to that effect, especially mm-hmm. if they're used to being out on the manufacturing floor. Yeah, I appreciate that because I think it's, you know, that's one of those skill sets that sometimes in the world of education, we almost like diminish its value, right? Like educators are so good at structuring time, at thinking about their audience first. Um, So that's great advice. Like maybe even I could see the value of like having a sample breakdown of how the time is being used because it's something that teachers do every single day that you're right in many other professions, um, you don't have to necessarily be organized and entertaining, right? And that combination is tough. And I do think like teachers make it look so easy. And of course, it isn't easy, especially if you're not doing it five days a week. So thanks so much for that. Um, listeners want to reach out or connect with your network or with you. What's a good place for them to go to learn more about everything you're doing? Uh, yeah. So I'm on Twitter, which is at Drea Weiner, uh, D-R-E-A Weiner, W-E-I-N-E-R. Um, I also think, um, probably my website, um, for my regional MyStem website, which is ideal, which is, uh, mystemregion13.com. Um, if you just Google that, you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, but those are the best two ways to reach me. We'll have it in the show notes. Listeners, of course, are also going to be curious to learn more, Jeff, about your upbringing on a farm. I know you've hinted about it several times, but I don't know if you've ever done a deep dive. If somebody's got a question about how that's shaped your philosophy and they want to contact you, how should they do that? Well, you'd probably be better off talking to my wife because she has to deal with it on a daily basis. (laughs) Always trying to take stuff apart and put it back together and try to put it back together good enough. You know, that was always the farm thing. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow me uh, and check out some of the other work, uh, you know, you can find me at uh, at JUTech everywhere on the social medias. And if you do want to see some of that work, it's in my real estate business. My wife and I have a real estate business that's at G3 Homes. You can find us on Instagram and see a bunch of our updates to all of our rental properties and stuff we have over there. Trisha, how about you? If people want to reach out to you, where is it always a great place to go? Where, where do you hang out these days? Are you still on Twitter all the time? I probably too much. Yeah. So I'm actually yeah, not okay. going to point folks to my Twitter because maybe that'll be my uh, a resolution to spend a little less time there. I'm actually going to remind listeners that um, the free Shifting Schools newsletter that you can sign up for at shiftingschools.com, that comes out every week with free resources. We try to expand on the insight that amazing guests like Drea bring to us. And I'll also let you know, again, there's human beings behind that newsletter. So you can respond anytime. Jeff, you and I are always talking about on the show. Hey, you're looking for a free resource. Let us know. Um, often we'll get a response from a, a newsletter. So if you want to connect with us in that way too, if that's, um, if that's an easy-ish way, you can always sign up for the free newsletter. That's again, shiftingschools.com. Thanks everybody for a great conversation. I, again, Drea, you've reminded me to really try to harness. It's not too late. I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, nobody's, nobody's passed their time to think about having that fix it mindset. Uh, I'm really going to try to embrace that this year. Thank you for the reminder. If you liked today's episode, please let us know on Twitter at Shifting Schools or Instagram and TikTok at Shifting Schools Pod. Make sure to check out our free STEM-related guides as well by visiting free guides in the menu of ShiftingSchools.com. If you are looking for a speaker or workshop presenter, reach out to Trisha and I as well. 
We're both full-time educational consultants and love supporting schools in preparing students for their future, not our past. Until next time, we'll see you on the network.